are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. If you are a mom or if you are celebrating your mom or if you're celebrating somebody special in your life, I join you in that celebration and I hope that you have an awesome day together. You know, if you'd do me a favor, I would love for you, as you're watching online today, just to click the word share, okay? And that way, you're kind of uh, posting the link to the sermon on your Facebook page or social media page, and you're kind of inviting people to church by doing that. Come and, and go to church with me today. So if you'll take a minute and just click share, I would appreciate it. May I take just a moment and tell you how grateful I am and how impressed I am at the level of your faithfulness in giving through this time that we have been worshiping online. Did you know that our numbers are right where they need to be? That you're giving just as faithfully as you did last year? And it just overwhelms me because you've had to learn to give by text or you're giving, you know, online or you're giving through the app or you're driving to the church and dropping your offering off at the white mailbox Uh, at the West Entrance, and I have just been overwhelmed through this at just the level of your faithfulness and giving as we've worshipped online, so so thank you so much. You know, I'm excited to tell you that uh, we're starting a new series today, and the series is called Can't Go Back. Now, I've been in conversations over these last few weeks with people, and we've been reflecting on this time that we have been Um, sheltered in place. And so I've been asking people, so what is it that you started doing while you were sheltered in place that you've said, I don't want to stop doing that. I don't want to go back to the way things were. Or, Or maybe what things have you stopped doing that you don't want to start again? Now, unfortunately, you can't include work in that because you're probably going to have to go back to work. But there's probably things that you've said, I've stopped doing and I don't want to start those things again. And so as I've had conversations with people, I've heard some great ideas. A lot of it revolves around family and neighbors. People have said, we're taking long walks as a couple, or we're taking long walks as a family. We're having great conversations. I don't want to go back to life without those conversations. Or we're spending time with family in ways that we haven't spent time with family before. We're playing with the kids, or we're doing projects with the kids, or we're working in the yard together. We don't want to go back to life without those kinds of things. Um, One family said, uh, we don't all live in the same city, but we have been having a family Zoom meeting every week. Now, we probably won't do it every week, uh, but why weren't we doing that before? And so probably once a month, we'll still have our family Zoom meetings. We don't want to go back to life where we're not staying more connected than we are. Some people have been telling me, you know, I'm way more intentional about connecting with people. And I don't want to lose that. Other people are saying, I'm just more present, even in a conversation over the phone, than I used to be. Um, Some people are telling me that they're making connections with their neighbors. And they said, I want to go back to being the person who just waves at my neighbors as my garage door opens and as I disappear into my home, not to be seen again until my door opens again and I back out to leave my house. People have also talked to me about time spent with God. People have been saying, you know, my devotional life has come alive during this time. I'm learning new practices in prayer, like maybe listening or journaling or going down to the lake or somewhere to spend time with the Lord and to be in His Word. And I just don't want to go back to spending very small amounts of time with God. 
And so what people are really saying is simply this, that in this season, my relationships with others have really heightened and my relationship with God has grown and I don't want to go back to life like it was. You know, we recoil at the prospect of going back. Our lives have been shaken. Our eyes have been opened. And we want ongoing change. From this point forward, we desire to live our lives more loving and more prayerful as we move forward. So let me talk to you for a few minutes about some people who lived a couple of thousand years ago. Um, These first followers of Jesus experienced the greatest event, the most important event, the most significant event that has ever happened in the history of the world. It was the resurrection of Jesus. When Jesus was raised from the dead, everything changed. They were stopped dead in their tracks. They had been following Jesus for three years. His accusers put him on a cross and killed him. But in three days, he was raised from the dead. He appeared to the disciples over a period of 40 days. After that was Pentecost. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They received incredible power. And they became bold witnesses for Jesus. There was no way in the world that they were going to just go back to life like it was before Jesus came along. That was impossible. The reason it was impossible was because they could not stop talking about it. (laughs) They couldn't stop talking about Jesus. They could not stop talking about the resurrection. They could not stop talking about the hope that they had found. Now let me talk to you for just a moment about your life and my life over these last eight weeks. We have experienced a historical, defining moment in our lives. So, so you're looking at me right now and you're saying, Rick, you're talking about COVID-19. You're talking about the coronavirus. Well, I, I would agree with you that history will talk about this and, and it is a defining moment. But I'm talking about something else, actually. I'm talking about a greater story. Because I think there is a greater story than just the fact that we sheltered in place for a few months or that our hearts were broken over the fact that people lost their lives to this virus. I think the greater story is that we found ourselves in the midst of uncertainty. We found ourselves in a terrible storm. And I think the life-changing historical event that has taken place is that in the midst of our uncertainty, we turned to God and He was there for us. He was there for people when they felt afraid and anxious. Do you remember those first couple of weeks, all of the uncertainty that surrounded this whole thing and what you were feeling deep in your heart? The anxiety that you were tempted to feel, the fear, the unknown. He was there when you felt afraid. God was there When uh, people lost their jobs, he was with people who were risking their lives every day as healthcare workers. He was with the people who were working to supply our food chain. He was with people who got sick with the virus. God was with people who lost their lives to the virus. See, I think the greater story is that in the midst of a pandemic, and as we are now trying to work our way through, 
in the midst of all of the uncertainty, we turned to God, and God was there for us. Here's, here's what I'm saying. We have a story to tell. And the story that, that we who are followers of Jesus, the story that, that we believers have to share with the world is that we found ourselves in a time of uncertainty. We found ourselves facing a pandemic. We turned to God, and He was there for us. Are you telling your story? Let me take a few minutes before I get to this passage in the book of Acts to remind you what's going on in the life of the early church, okay? They've, they've been with Jesus for three years. He's talked about this new kingdom that they can now be a part of. Um, he's talked about, um, you know, not only the kingdom, but he's demonstrated it in his healings. Um, he's now been killed by his accusers on a cross. He was raised from the dead. And, and the followers of Jesus are now just bold witnesses after Pentecost, and they can't quit talking about Jesus. Now, what happens is the authorities tell them, you can't talk about it anymore. You have to stop. And they said, well, we, we can't help but talk about what we've seen and heard. And the authorities come back again and say, no, you have to stop. And some of the people were whipped. Some of the people were beaten. But here's what the book of Acts says. They never stopped teaching and preaching about Jesus. And so on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people put their faith in Jesus. And then a few days later, it was 5,000 people. And now 2,000 years later on this planet, that 7 billion people occupy 2.5 billion people who are alive today claim to follow the teachings of Jesus. So in chapter 6, a guy named Stephen enters the picture. Here's the way the Bible describes him. He was full of faith. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of God's grace. And he was full of power. And Stephen was one of those men who just couldn't stop talking about it, okay? God was performing miraculous signs and wonders through him. He was given his life to take care of the poor and serve the hungry. He was appointed as a deacon over the food distribution for the widows. And, and he just couldn't stop telling people about Jesus. And at his own trial... After he was arrested, he was still a bold witness for Jesus. They became furious at him. And so when you get to Acts chapter 7, verse 55, here's how the story of Stephen unfolds, okay? But Stephen, and you find the words again, full of the Holy Spirit. He looked up to heaven, and he saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing. You understand he's having a vision here. He sees the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And at this, they covered their ears as if we cannot hear this blasphemous language any longer. Yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city now, it's not the Sanhedrin Luke is making it clear. They don't have the power to take his life, but it's an angry mob. And they begin to stone him. And meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats, as a side note by Luke, at the feet of a young man named Saul. Now, Saul, we later will call Paul by his Roman name, becomes a champion for the faith. But right now, he's persecuting the Christians. The next slide says, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. 
And then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Do you see the parallel of Jesus on the cross? Stephen being Christ-like, praying for the people who are taking his life. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. When Stephen died that day, after being stoned to death, the Christians began to scatter throughout the region of Judea and into other regions. But not only did Christians scatter, but the gospel began to scatter because they could not stop telling people about Jesus. You know, Annette and I were pastoring a church in Tennessee years ago. And uh, I remember going home one day and saying to my wife, Annette, I said, you know, Annette, 11 people have come to know Jesus in just the last few weeks. I'm talking about people who were going one direction with their life. They just were stopped dead in their tracks, turned around, and began to living life in the other direction. Sins forgiven. It's like they were born again. It's like they started life over this whole new life. I remember the next year, 30 more people, thirty over 30 more people came to know Jesus. Life changed completely. In the next year, 50 more people came to know Jesus. I, I, I remember the people who attended that church began to believe, if we just invite people to this church, there's a very strong chance that their lives could be changed forever. And so they couldn't stop talking about it. They were telling everybody, you should come to church. And as they were telling everybody, you should come to church, people came. And more people's lives were changed. Just a few days ago, I was reading a statement by Craig Rochelle, and it reminded me of that story back at that church. And here's what Rochelle says. He says, if it's not God's time, well, then you, you can't force it, okay? Um, but if it is God's time, then you can't stop it. If it's not God's time, you can't force it. If it is God's time... You can't stop it. I, I remember people asking me, t tell me what's going on at your church. And people asking me to come and maybe talk to their church. And, and I remember just saying, you know what? It's like, you know, we're just responding to what God's doing. It's like God is doing something that we really can't explain. I, I think as I look back on it, I would just say it was God's time. And you just couldn't stop it. Now, when I think about this early church, I feel the same way. God was doing something amazing. And you just could not stop it. No matter what, nobody could stop it. There was this effort of religious leaders, of the Jewish people to stop it from time to time. I remember one of their leaders, his name was Gamaliel. And here's what he says to them. He says, but if it is from God, you will not be able to stop those men. What he was actually saying was, you're just going to find yourself fighting against God. Look at another verse in the book of Acts, okay? Here's what it says. They never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news about Jesus. Do you know why we know about Easter? Do you know why we celebrate Easter? It's because they couldn't stop talking about it. It wasn't because it was written in a book somewhere. It wasn't written anywhere. 
for decades. It was just this oral story that people kept talking about. They kept telling the story. And finally, decades later, people began to say, you know what? I think maybe we should write it down. That's why we have the New Testament. We don't have Easter because we have the New Testament, someone said. We have the New Testament because we had Easter. So here's, here's, what, I'm, here's what I'm trying to say to you today, okay? We, we have a story to tell. In a moment of uncertainty, we turned to God and He was there for us. And so here's the question I want you to ponder with me just for a minute this morning, okay? What if, what if this is God's time for His church to tell their story? What if God today is saying, it's time, church. I want you to tell your story. Tell them about how in moments of uncertainty, you turned to me and you found me there for you. You realize we live in a world that's asking a lot of questions today about life and faith. And if it's God's time, you can't stop it. What if today is God's time for his church to tell their story? You know, I remember back a few years ago preaching a sermon series called Thin Places. Um, here was the idea, okay? And, and as far as we know, 1,500 years ago, um, a Irish Celtic monk named St. Columba, who had taken the gospel 1,500 years ago now to Scotland, was one day on the island of Iona, and he was praying and as he was praying, he had an incredible experience. And he described the experience as a thin place. We don't have any record of that language prior to St. Columba 1,500 years ago. The Irish grabbed hold of that phrase, a thin place. And they would use, to talk, use it to describe and talk about when the distance between heaven and earth seemed to vanish. Or when the veil that separated heaven from earth became very sheer. It, it was one of those moments when you felt that God had come to you. And you felt like you were in a very holy place. So this week I experienced a thin place. It was early in the morning. I had a cup of coffee. I had my Bible I had my copy of Thomas Akempis, The Imitation of Christ. And as I was reading Akempis, I felt like God spoke to me about my life, about my wife and my relationship to her, about my family and my relationship with them. And I began to weep. And I felt like I was in the presence of God and he was speaking directly to my heart. You've had thin places, haven't you? Where God came to you and spoke to you. You understand that Stephen, in this moment of uncertainty, when he is standing trial, and he doesn't know what's going to happen next, he experiences a very thin place. He sees the glory of God, the heavens open, and Jesus standing at God's right hand as an advocate. 
You see, here's what happened to Stephen, and it's what has happened to you, and it's what has happened to me, and it's the story of the Christian. In moments of uncertainty, we have turned to God, and we have found Him to be there for us. It's my story. It's your story. And it was Stephen's story. You know, last summer I traveled to the Middle East. And I got to see sites that um, I'd only read about all of my life. I remember one day finding myself standing in the ruins of a, of a great arena. And I remember my guide saying to us as we stood out in the middle of this arena looking at the seats all around us. He says, you realize you're at sea level. Just to our left was the Mediterranean Sea. He says, this is very likely the ground where many Christians were martyred, lost their lives because of their witness of Jesus. It was a surreal moment as I stood there thinking that somebody died here because of their faith. So when I think about Stephen, when I think about people like you and me who believe so much that our faith is truth, that we have come to this place that we have decided that it is worth more than everything else in the world, listen to me, even our own lives. My faith in Jesus is more important to me than my own life. And it's out of that spirit and that attitude that these early believers of Jesus Christ became such bold witnesses. You understand that this is not accomplished in a person's own strength or power. Let me remind you of Acts 1.8. I think it's probably a very familiar verse to many of you, but it says you're going to receive what? Power. When are you going to receive power? Well, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then you're going to be what? After you've received power, after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, what are you going to become? And you're going to be my witnesses. And so the witness of Stephen and the witness of these early believers where they just could not stop talking about Jesus was because they had been empowered by the filling of the Holy Spirit and now they were incredible witnesses. So just think with me for a moment, would you please? If we have a story to tell, And the story that we have to tell is that we faced a time of uncertainty and we turned to God and God was there for us. God was there for us in such a way that we we were just amazed. I remember in those first couple of weeks as we were sheltered in home, I would go to social media and there were Bible verses posted everywhere. People were saying, I turned to God. I turned to his word, and guess what? God spoke to me. Look what he said. And they've posted it on social media. If our story is that we turned to God and God was there for us, and if this could very well be God's time to say, I'm ready for my church to tell their story, then would you join me in doing this? Would you pray for the Holy Spirit to fill you? And would you pray for power to be witnesses as we move toward Pentecost over these next four weeks. Would you pray with me? God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me power. Let me be a witness.
as we move toward Pentecost, we want Pentecost power in our lives today. You know, I remember as a little boy, I think I was only about five or six years old, being awakened in the middle of the night. It was well after midnight. And my mom and dad were coming to our rooms. My brother shared a room with me as little boys. My sister shared a room as little girls. And they said, get up, get your clothes on. We got to go somewhere. We were asking why, what? We're rubbing our eyes. We're waking up. They're flipping lights on. And here was the response. Somebody's wanting your mom to come and pray with them. I think this is a great story to tell you on Mother's Day. You see, here's the story. My mom was the kind of person that couldn't stop talking about Jesus to people. And there was a couple who lived in our town who she had been praying for, and she had been talking to them about Jesus. When people would say to my mom, but, but I've done so much, I've got so much wrong in my life, I've made so many mistakes, my mom would say, you can be forgiven for all of that. God's even going to let you forgive yourself for all of that. It's like you get to start over. It's like being born again. It's a whole new life. And my mom had been talking to Jesus, talking about Jesus to these people for a few weeks. And in the middle of the night, they can't sleep. (laughs) They call my house. My dad answers the phone after midnight. And they said, we hate to ask, but do you think that you guys could come and help us pray to come to know Jesus? And I remember riding into town. I remember standing in their living room and watching my mom and dad kneel at the sofa with this young couple. And my mom told them what to say and how to pray. And I remember when they said amen, I remember that young couple just falling over my parents and hugging them and crying and feeling all of this relief and joy. Because my mom couldn't stop telling people about Jesus. You know, you and I have a story to tell. God has been with us. And this could very well be God's time. And if it is, there's nobody that's going to be able to stop it. And so why don't you pray with me that God will help us to be like Stephen, like my mom. That we will be filled with the Holy Spirit. That we will receive power. That we will be great witnesses. This is the time for the church of Jesus Christ to rise up. And so, Father, I'm asking you in Jesus' name, would you fill me, would you fill the people who are listening with your Holy Spirit? Would you give us power? Would you make us great witnesses? We don't want to go back to life like it was. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.